0: Episode 23, Minicast, Preparing for COVID-19 Innovative Solutions with Dr. Boscar Kapalin. Let's do this. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm cordial Karamantang. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, Patients and their families, because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Solving Healthcare. Uh, we're on episode twenty-three. We are continuing our effort to try and bring you up to date COVID nineteen material. Today's episode is a discussion with my friend Boscar Kapalin. He's the chief of emergency medicine at the Queensway Carleton Hospital. And he and his colleagues have led some pretty innovative solutions to testing for COVID nineteen. And I wanna talk about that and celebrate that. We also talk about how they were preparing for COVID nineteen and in terms of increasing capacity, what what they've done to, to be able to do that within their hospital. Uh, I think it's pretty uh, pretty important stuff, and I, I look forward to you guys hearing about this. I also want to tell you about some of the beautiful initiatives that are happening, especially around our city. We've had uh, a med- medical student initiative, which we're going to do a show on, where they're helping healthcare providers provide child care, pet care, you know, uh, just providing them with services to be able to focus on their job and, and uh, it's such a great thing. We've recently started a GoFundMe fund for feeding frontline healthcare providers. So, you know, I was on call not that long ago and and morale was low and we saw the impact of being able to provide this, the crew with food. It was Meatheads, um, Jesse from Meatheads was kind enough to, to feed the staff and it made a difference, and this has inspired this initiative to feed our frontline healthcare providers. So we, we started a GoFundMe fund. There'll be links to that in the show notes. So yeah, we're we're doing our best to to to, to try and improve morale and, and to combat this this unfortunate uh, pandemic. Okay, guys, without further ado, I want to introduce you to my friend, Doctor Boscar Capolin. Ladies and gentlemen. We got Bosker Gopalin, chief of the emergency department over at Queensway Hospital. Thank you for joining us, joining us on the show, buddy.
1: Thanks so much for having me, my friend. You're becoming quite popular in the community. Oh Everybody listens to you now, so I feel. Uh... <laughs> Honored and privileged that you asked me to come and speak in your show. Oh, my God. pleasure is all mine.
0: Oh, my God. I was, I was trying to remember when we first met. All I remember is that we were rotating together through that CCU rotation. I don't know if that was the first time we met, but we That's were awesome. didn't take anything seriously. <laughs>
1: That was the funniest rotation I've been part of, because all we did was round on patients and laugh all day. <laughs>
0: oh, it was so good. Liz, Liz Sholdyce, shout out to Liz Scholdeis too. Yeah, She was yeah. a part of that. Uh, that was actually a good time. Yeah, um, it was definitely a good time. Listen, the reason I wanted you on the show was to, number one, I was extremely proud of you for that initiative of setting up some uh, screening for COVID outside the hospital, in outside the emergency department, making sure people aren't infe- infected. But to get to that point, we need to talk about what the system has been like before even COVID-19 hit. Like, what have been the capacity issues within, like, we're talking Ottawa, but this is a problem that's all throughout Ontario, all throughout the nation. So I wonder if we could speak a bit to that, Bosker.
1: Absolutely. I'll just give you a little story about myself. It'll put everything in context. I started at the Queensgate Carlton Hospital in 2007 as an emerge doc, and at that time uh, we were seeing about 180 patients a day. Right, the emerge was built for about 180 patients a day, and we were we were we were in, uh, you know, we had good flow of patients, wait times were good, etc. Today, before COVID, let's—I'm talking pre-COVID—we're mm-hmm. seeing about 240 patients to 250 patients a day. Mm-hmm. The Emerge was built for about 180, and in 12 years, it skyrocketed just because of the population explosion in Stittsville, Barhaven, Canada, et cetera, and all those areas. You know, you can see the population and all these housing units being built. So there was suddenly a, a surge of volume for patients and. Especially in our region, especially in the West End, we have a lot of frail and elderly people who come in. And that population has been growing and continues to grow. So what happened even before COVID, I would say we were in sort of a healthcare crisis in Ontario. We had a ton of um, what we call these chronic ALC patients admitted in the hospital waiting for a nursing home bed. And these nursing home beds sometimes took six months to a year to get uh, for these patients that are just waiting in the, in the, in the, in the hospital. Mm. So these are patients we've managed, we've treated, but we just can't send home. We have to wait for them to be placed into a nursing home. And sometimes that takes up to a year. So that was the situation in Ontario. And our hospital over the last three, four years has been running at about just over 100% capacity. Sometimes we run at about 120% capacity. So, you know, you had all this stuff still going on and there wasn't a lot of funding coming from the ministry to help us, you know, up staff or provide more resources or, you know, build a bigger department. So there were all these issues already pre-COVID. So when COVID hit and we were told it's coming to Ottawa, it definitely made everybody nervous on the table because we already had a crisis before COVID. And now you're telling us COVID's coming and we had to really sort of scramble to set up and be prepared.
0: Wow. Yeah. And I got to echo what Boscar is saying too. Like he's at the Queensway. I'm at the Ottawa hospital. I'm at mo Four. This theme of being over capacity is rampant. Like it's, it's everywhere and it's seasonal. It could be worse in the winter months, obviously, but this has been a consistent theme. And so, Give us a sense, Bosco, like what has been the response in knowing that we've already are at, you know, at high capacity, what, what are the measures that you've done or you've seen done to try and be able to manage COVID?
1: So actually the response has been uh, phenomenal. I think what's happened was there was a lot of uh, hospital uh, senior men teams, physician leaders across the province who really advocated in the ministry that, you know, we do have this overcapacity issue. And if you all of a sudden overwhelm the healthcare system with, you know, they talk about that peak curve, you know, like all of a sudden tons of COVID patients come in at the same time, it's going to completely overwhelm the system that's already overcapacity. Right. So the first thing was how do we get scale back and build capacity in our hospital? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I have to say like uh, the, The ministry, the government has been listening to what the doctors are recommending and senior leadership is recommending the OMA is recommending Ontario Medical Association. You know, the things that you've heard in the news about cancelling all elective surgeries, cancelling all clinics in the hospital that are non-essential those have all created a tremendous uh, impact in generating capacity and beds within the hospital over the last few days. Mm-hmm. So rest assured, there has been a lot of work trying to create this capacity in the hospital.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: it it that's does mean that some other patients who've been waiting for their elective surgery are going to get delayed in getting their surgery. But right now, that's the only solution we could see to sort of generate some capacity within the hospital.
0: Excellent. Yeah, and I, you know, I would echo that too. That we. Over on our side, we're doing the same thing, and and I can't speak to the numbers. If you know, if in terms of like are there more room on the wards and so forth, but I mean, I think you really have no choice. And yes. it's nice that the, our voices are being heard, especially in it's such a pivotal time in our in our history right now. So, anything else you guys have been doing in terms of in a merge or at a hospital level to prepare for COVID?
1: So, yeah, I mean, each emergency department is developing their own protocols across the country. You know, what's been great about this COVID thing is that we've seen it, seen what's going on in other hospitals. Mm -hmm. China, Italy, Spain, France, Germany, uh, some special U.S. states like California, Seattle, for example. So, you you know, a lot of good literature, clinical algorithms, uh, protocols, medications all these things are coming. We're receiving all these information. So we are able to, we're actually in a better position mm-hmm. than for example, say Italy, who just got slammed out of the blue with this stuff. Mm-hmm. We know what we need to do to prepare for this, given what other hospitals have gone through. So for example, in the ED, we, you know, for example, the hospital took the important step of one visitor policy and everybody gets screened before they come to the hospital. Mm-hmm. In the ED, we said, you know, no visitor policy. Um, mm-hmm. The second thing we did in ED was we created a what we call the red zone where only COVID probable patients get seen. So we have a special flow process created for them where they, you know, where they present to their ED, they get triaged. And if they're possible COVID, we send them to a separate area of the emergency department so where these patients are cohorted and are seen. So they're not, you know, spreading their the viral load to other patients within the department and things like that. Mm. We have created several sort of protocols and algorithms and things like that to what on what to do when a, a patient who is probable covid comes in quite unstable it has to it requires a lot of quick thinking but the most important thing that as everybody's probably aware in the media is that the healthcare workers need to be protected so they have to wear the appropriate personal protective equipment so there's a lot of training going on about how to protect yourself when you see these patients how to get the protection off of you how to clean yourself between patients and things like that. So, a lot of education, a lot of work, new protocols, uh, creating spaces within the hospital. Yeah, um, that's where we're at then. No,
0: that's, it's, it's reassuring. And one thing, I don't know if you guys are doing this too, but I found it very helpful to go through like simulation in terms yes. of like, you know, if you are intubating somebody suspected covid or you're transporting like we that was a something that we've been practicing because it's there's always things that you're not thinking about you know and so it's great to also do some trial runs
1: yeah Um, oh we yeah we've had a couple of those we actually took the lead from the ottawa hospital we saw all your pictures on twitter and said we need to have something like this in our hospital so thanks for that oh uh absolutely so
0: One thing I got to ask, and this is once again why I was really proud of you for for being a part of. You you weren't hearing any other centers doing like the COVID screening outside the emergency department. How did that come to fruition? And like, what were the steps there? And I know it's not happening now, but I still, the reason I'm so proud is because it's rare in medicine. I shouldn't say rare. It's becoming rarer. I feel that people are thinking outside the box. Like we have a problem. What is the best solution? And I, I just, whether it, I just, I'm, I'm extremely, what's the word? I'm extremely, extremely happy to see that, you know, you guys were doing that process thinking outside the box and how we could keep our patients safe. So tell me a little bit about how that came to be.
1: If you actually have a name for it, it's called the drive-through swabbing. <laughs> 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 so basically, so this is what happened. You know, uh, right now, Ottawa has created a swabbing center, the Brewer Center, that, you know, everybody's aware of through the media and things like that. But before that Brewer Center was set up, the, uh, the first few cases of potential COVID patients called public health. And public health would direct them to come to the ED to get their testing done. Now, in the first few days, this was reasonable because, you know, we'd get a call from public health to say, you know, there's a patient who just returned from Italy, for example. You know, we're worried about COVID on him. We need a test. We're going to send him to you. And we'd call the patient up and say, you know, we're going to get the room cleaned up for you. Just show up at this time. We'll just do the test and you can go. These were well patients who did not require any medical care. They just needed to be tested and swabbed. Right. Mm -hmm. As the days started to, as it uh, became obvious that there was a lot of people returning back from travel, all of a sudden the number of people who needed to be tested started to climb each day. So it started off with two. The next day was five. The day after it was 10. And then by day four, we got a call from public health saying we got 70 people. Oh, we need you to test. And you know, we'll let you guys figure out how uh, to test them. Oh my god! <laughs> so uh, we remember we talked about pre-COVID, we already were over capacity, right? Now they were they were t- directing us to say, you know, you got so many patients, you got to figure out a way to test them, and we have to send them through your ED. So we're <laughs> busy. Emerge uh, over capacity. So you know, I I just I threw it out to my Emerge docs, who are like some of the best most engaged group of uh, team members I've ever worked with my entire life. Like I have to say being a chief is easy when you're working for a department like this. Wow. Trust me. So I threw it out to them. I said, what should we do? This all these people showing up to the ED and you know, they, all they need is just to be get tested and swabbed and sent home. They don't need an assessment. They are just coming in for testing and they're well. So they came up with this idea of a drive through swabbing technique where, I mean, you know, uh, we had grand ideas for it. We wanted to set up a tent and a heater, you know, patient parks their car, comes into the tent, gets a swab, gets back in their car and go home. (laughs) Now, you know, but the tent couldn't be set up for 48 hours. You know, they had to get a propane tank that took some time. So we're like, what are we going to do here? So a group of us, just uh, one of the docs just took a table out there. A nurse got gowned up in appropriate PPE and they just had some equipment out there and they called the patient and said, you know, show up at four o'clock the next one show up at four fifteen. call the next patient show up at four thirty. So they went they did that process from about 6 p.m. to like 2 a.m. in the morning mm. and they saw all 70. Wow. Without wow. without any of them stepping inside the hospital. Yes. And and, and uh, infecting you know other patients vulnerable patients and things like that. So it was just an easy process that we had to set up on the go within an hour <laughs> you know. Yeah. I'm finding out that, you know, seven people have been showing up for testing. Wow. So I, all credit to my department. It was their idea. All I had to do was take it and action it, and it came out successfully.
0: Yeah. No, I, uh, that is awesome, buddy. That is a uh, nice execution and way to be thinking on your toes. And like you said, you don't want to expose anybody unnecessarily, and you guys were able to achieve that. It's amazing.
1: Interestingly enough, several other hospitals heard about our protocol, if you want to call it that, and are asking for it, and we've sent it out to many people. It's actually a pretty safe s- s- protocol. You know, you call the patient, you do a quick screen on the phone. You know, they come for their drive-through appointment, if you want to call it, you know, they get a set of vitals. There's an MD there doing a quick assessment. Vitals are fine. They look well. They get their swab, and they go home. Yeah.
0: No, I, and I, it's, that's one of the things that – the other reason I wanted to talk to you about it was, you know, if other places are looking to do something similar, you yeah. know, especially if they're in the early throes of uh, COVID right now, this is feasible.
1: Yes. Yeah. And we have the protocol. So if anybody wants it, I'm happy to share it with anybody.
0: You okay if I leave on the show notes your email or, or some kind yeah, of, phone, yeah. like whatever way to get a hold of, hold of you. Sure. That'd be the Balls. Awesome, buddy. Anything else you want to throw down? Otherwise...
1: Thank you for coming on the show, my friend. Anything else that you want to... I just wanted to reassure the community that, you know, the region is taking this very seriously and they're doing everything they can to prepare for what's coming.
0: Yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. All right. Listen, you stay safe. Give love to all the crew over at Queensway. Thanks, uh, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks for doing this.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening to this week's episode. I really appreciate the support. I want to, first off, give some mad props to my boy, Mason Hartwick. He's playing, this is his track, 736 Blues in G. I, this is gangster. Thanks, Mason. I want to thank our sponsors, BetterHelp and Audible. There's links to the show notes to get discounts off all those sign-up fees. Leave your comments at quadcast99 at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Quadcast. I want to give a quick shout out to Christina who did the note for this week's episode. Thank you for all your help. Thanks, team, for continued support. Love you guys. Continue the great work. And we'll see you guys soon.